Hi, Jake. Good to have you on the show. Hey, hey, good to good to be here. And uh, from from America to Germany, we're doing it today. So uh, for everybody who doesn't know you, could you please tell us a bit about yourself? Sure. I'm a, I'm a real estate investor. I uh, started investing in multifamily, uh, you know, right after the the big uh, depression there in the, in the States and uh, started small, started buying, uh, you know, 25 unit mom and pop apartment uh, was my first deal. I uh, started scaling up, went uh, vertically integrated from the jump, meaning we started doing the property management ourselves. Uh, we started expanding on our team uh, for renovations. And, you know, at this point, we're about 1,600 apartments uh, with my partner, Gino. And I was able to exit corporate America. And that was uh, that was very exciting to me because having uh, control over my destiny and being able to provide for my family in a way that I think is stable is one of the most important things to me. And I've been able to do that uh, by leveraging multifamily investing. So uh, before we talk about real estate, entrepreneurship, business, and all those different things, um, could you please share with our listeners the story behind like how you got into all this? Yeah, I was working for uh, GlaxoSmithKline at the time. It was uh, the number three pharmaceutical company in the world. And there, this was during uh, healthcare reform in the United States. And there was a lot of regulations being imposed upon the industry. So every year I was told to go home, wait by the phone. You'd get a phone call and you would uh, find out if you have a job or not going into the next year. That's... Yeah. That was not a comfortable way to live life. Uh, I was not uh, fulfilled as a human being. Uh, How you know, old were you back then? This probably started when I was 27. Mm -hmm. And so I just, uh, you know, I knew that this was not fulfilling to me. And also there would be these big, you know, company retreats that we would go on and I would always have a lot of ideas on how to improve the company on ways that we could get better. And every time I spoke up, I was shot down and, and the company really didn't want to hear it. They, it was a, a very top you know, down approach. Mm -hmm. This is what we got to do. You executed as a soldier. We don't want to hear your opinions. Mm -hmm. And that is not just for who I am and my chemical makeup. That was not a good fit. So every time I would go to these meetings that they'd have probably twice a year, I would always be very concerned that I that end up being fired afterwards because I had a hard time biting my tongue and just taking what was being thrown at me as this is the best way to do it and accepting that. So for, you know, at any given point, I thought my number was going to get called either because I spoke up too much or I was just going to, you know, uh, be the luck of the draw and say, hey, your territory's done or whatever. Uh, fortunately, I was a performer. By the way, I can so much relate to that, but um, <laughs> go ahead. No, I'm just saying it, it was a good thing <laughs> that uh, that I that I backed it up with numbers and my territories performed. Otherwise, I'm sure that uh, there was many people in that organization that would have uh, been happy to kind of ax me, if you know what I mean. And there, there, there was even a point where I had to, uh, you know, I had to fly down to uh, North Carolina to headquarters because I wanted to get in front of a doctor that I was having a very hard time seeing. And so there was a webinar that was scheduled that I was supposed mm -hmm. to be on and I switched it to the, a, a different one because they had multiple going at the same time. And I actually had to have a grievance against the, you know, internally with the company because I was doing everything in my power to, to drive, you know, my territory results. And they uh, they said, well, you signed up for this one initially. You should have been on that one. I said, but I switched and I still went on it. And so they were literally, uh, they, they were coming down on me hard at that point. So I had to, you know, really rally all the the managers that I'd worked with in the past and everyone to help me out. I, I went through a formal grievance policy and they said, uh, the final question during the grievance was, would you be willing to turn over your computer so we could see that you're actually on the webinar? And I said, I brought it. I've been trying to give it to you. Okay. It's not that I didn't want to be there. I was trying to do right by the company and also do your, your, your stupid, you know, webinar as well. And uh, man, it was uh, it, it was a struggle for, for many years. So, uh, you know, fortunately, it provided me an opportunity to really educate myself. I, I listened to a ton of audiobooks on the road when I was going to different hospitals and in between the doctor's offices. So I built up a, uh, a great education over my time with the company, you know, utilizing Audible. And, and even at the time I was you know, buying CDs and things like that. Um, so I got a, I got a great education in the car, um, and, uh, <laughs> and I applied that uh, to to real estate. You know, my partner and I say a lot of times, education times action will lead to your results. 
And fortunately, uh, you know, my partner Gino had a, uh, had a, a pretty good education in real estate. I, I did a lot of, uh, you know, studying on my own and I had a, uh, a ton of energy uh, to get into the space. So we were rejected for the first two years. Uh, people were telling us, y'all are never going to do business down here. Um, you know, we're from New York, moving into uh, Tennessee, which is in the south. And there's a barrier to entry when getting into multifamily. It's sometimes it can be like a, a you know an old boys club, and it's very hard to break in to to okay. that environment. Uh, people are established. You know, brokers want to deal with people that uh, are known closers, and it's not it's not a bad thing. But if you're if you're trying to sell a piece of property and you have a list of 20 people that you can go to that you know will close, why are you going to talk to me? And so that yeah, was one okay. of the biggest mistakes that I made early on. Uh, and plus, I was a hard charging, you know, in my late 20s, aggressive New Yorker that probably didn't go over too well in, in Tennessee at the time. <laughs> so I, I will take full responsibility for that because I didn't understand the situation. Mm-hmm. The situation was I was being aggressive. I'm thinking these guys need to sell me a piece of property. Well, no, they have many people they can sell it to. This is not like a, your normal retail transaction where someone wants to sell you a Mercedes or something. OK, this was an asset. OK, that's the thing we got to get our head wrapped around. We're putting our money into actual assets that can actually increase your wealth, not this, you know, uh, Fugazi money that's that, that's basically <laughs> worthless. So I, I had to change my my, you know, my mind because I started to realize these these brokers have what I want. I need to cater to them. I need to sell them on why I'm going to get the deal done, why I'm going to close, because I was now able to you know, stack assets and, and create a life of abundance for myself, which was the end goal. So I was actually the problem, not not their you know old boys club. I was the problem because I wasn't adapting to get into it. And so what I realized is that they want to work with me when they know I can close. So I got my first deal done, built up a little bit of credibility. A few months later, I was able to get another smaller deal done uh, by the. And then how, how did you get your first few deals? So. so the first deal was I actually had a broker that I started warming up to who who's thinking, well, you know, and he, he had a shit deal, too. So he had a deal that he couldn't <laughs> sell. So you, you, you take a deal that he was having a hard time selling, pairing it with somebody that he thought, well, maybe this this kid can pull it off at the time. We mixed <laughs> in a little owner financing for people that don't know what owner financing is. The uh, the seller basically you know took a note out for our down payment for half of it. So it, it reduced the barrier you know of capital needed to get into that deal. Uh, when we started getting into the deals, we uh, figured out very early on that these were, you know, poorly managed deals that we were buying because there were people that thought, man, I should be in real estate. There's tax benefits or, you know, I need to put, you know, my money into an investment, but they weren't treating it as the business. We talk about treating real estate as the business. It's all we do. It's we put everything that we have into it to make sure that we manage these properties correctly. Our framework is buy right, manage right, and finance right. Real estate is not rocket science. We really believe it's a three-legged stool. Uh, we touched on this in our first book, Wheelbarrow Profits. That was the, the basis for the book. Uh, you have to you know, have parameters when you're buying these things. And so we set parameters in place. We made sure we we're sticking to them. There's a management process that we do when we turn these properties around. And, and then there's the financing leg. We look for long-term fixed rate debt to take the interest rate risk off the table. So when it comes down to it, you're buying it right, that's done. You finance it with long-term debt, that's done. It all comes back to what? Your management. And that's where we really uh, have been focusing in. It's our goal to become the Chick-fil-A of the apartment world. Now, for those of you who do not you know, know Chick-fil-A of the culture, it's really uh, high-level service, you know, reasonably priced items. They sell chicken sandwiches, but they make you feel like a million bucks when you get them. You know, we, we have you know, $800 to $1,000 a month apartments. These are, this is not the Ritz-Carlton, but we do our best to make it a, a very welcoming, awesome place for people to live, and we want to do it with a smile on our face and, know pe- and, and let people know that we care about them. Got it. So uh, <laughs> there are so many things that I want to talk about now, but um, let, let's speak about your, your life first. So um, looking back on the uh, time when you were working at the pharmacy, so it sounded like hell to me. So uh, <laughs> how, no, wh- it wasn't hell in the beginning. The first year was pretty good. When the regulations mm-hmm. started coming down, that's when it, it got worse and worse because it was my livelihood that was on the line every year mm-hmm. uh, and maybe multiple times a year. So it wasn't a a good long-term fit, but I did learn a lot. And so that was, you know, very uh, what important. What kind of things? Just, just general business knowledge because there was a lot of uh, opportunities that they did for uh, learning and, and, you know, development. And I took advantage of all of those. And I, I saw, you know, this is, uh, you know, different ways to incentivize people because early on, the first year was pretty good. 
when the regulations came down, it switched very quickly. So I took very good mental notes of, hey, what works well? And I've actually incorporated it into our property management company. You know, I'll give you an example. We, uh, we do something every year we, we call President's Club. It's something that I got from the company where the top performing office goes on a very elaborate, you know, uh, getaway. We, we, you know, have a very good time. Everyone's treated uh, really well and, and they're, they're supported. And, uh, and the different events where we're bringing people up on stage and, and the different, you know, uh, like you know, year-end awards parties that we do. You know, I learned a lot of that uh, corporate culture. You know, I, I took from the good and I rejected the bad as we mm. started to build out our organization. Got it. And when you're looking back on your career, um, what were the worst moments in your real estate business and what were the best moments? So real estate uh, will wear you down if you do not have a tough mindset because, you know. What do you mean by that? Yeah. Yeah, let me elaborate on that. So literally every day you may get punched in the gut. You know, just sitting here on my desk, I have a cancellation notice from a insurance company that we're dealing with right now because they're really giving us a hard time. They're kind of being a pain in the ass on some of the the different things that they're expecting from us. You know, mm -hmm. we have a, a, a building that was built in the 1970s and they're complaining about the age, uh, you know, of, of the electrical system. I'm like, guys, this is what it is. You know, we have, you know, 1,500 other units with you that, that are very similar to this. And so it's, you know, that's an annoying thing that I'm going to have to deal with. Uh, you know, on the daily, you know, we're always, you know, making sure that we're, we're bringing the best folks into the organization. But we've had people steal, um, you know, over $10,000, you know, from the company before. And we've had to deal with that. Uh, you know, so it's it's this constant, uh, you know, we, we've had deaths on the property. We've had buildings burned down. So you have to have very thick skin and, you know, I, I love what Ray, uh, Ray Dalio says about, you know, every one of these is a learning lesson and, and you learn from the pain and you have to make, you know, those amendments to your life. So I believe that every time these happen, we really try to reflect on what happened, what went well, and what's the kind of procedure to put in place in the system so we know exactly how to deal with it next time. Because mm. ultimately, all this stuff will happen again. It's not going to be the first time. It's not. We're not the first people that it happened to, but it's how we react to it and how we let it affect us internally. But we understand that it's part of the business, and we've we've dealt with knock on wood many of these things already. So it's not getting. Oh my goodness, this is the first time. What do we do? It's hey, we've been here before. What do we do now? And have the mm -hmm. policy and procedure, and it becomes another one of those, and it becomes part of the business versus this big shock moment that everyone gets stressed out and cortisol, you know, goes through the roof, and people are, you know, having heart attacks over. So it's and and it, it happens. I mean, it is literally the part of the business. It's a full contact sport. So you know, mm -hmm. for folks that want to get into it, it's phenomenal. It's created a, a fantastic life. You know, for uh, myself and my family and, and the people that work with us and, and our partners. But, uh, you know, you, you have to have extreme ownership. You have to have a, a strong, you know, mental attitude because it's not for everybody. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And um, I think when you're getting into business, like there's like there are always fires that you can put out, like always. There's always something to do. And um, I think at the end of the day. You don't day, want to be putting out fires, though. You want to be creating systems and businesses. You know, you, mm. we look at it as people, systems and culture, really. I think that, you know, once you get in the game of, mm. of what we do, it, you, you need to day in, day out, be working on your people, your systems and your culture so that you're not going around. You have a well-oiled machine that knows how to react, you know, and, and adapt to these things versus the person that is, is feeling like they're going around putting out fires every day has <laughs> not built the machine. Okay. Mm. So you need to build the machine with the people, with the right culture, with the right systems so that that machine, if there's a hill, it's not running into it or this is the fire. It's, mm. it's driving up over the hill and it knows how to take the hill on uh, as the machine versus freak out mode. And, and we're, we're always constantly putting out fires. I think that's the, the, uh, the mental transition that people make as they start to scale. Uh, and I think that's important because no one it's not sustainable to live a uh, live a, the firefighter life. We're always going around with the hose you know, <laughs> putting it out, right? So uh, I think it can be quite annoying after a few weeks, so <laughs> probably a few days already. So. Yeah. And it's not to say uh, shit that still happens, right? To to us yeah. every time we every time that we can learn from something or get better from it or incorporate it into the business that this is going to happen again, who's responsible, who's mm. who's taking ownership of it? Uh, that sort of entrepreneurship, okay, now create a system for it and then and let's put it in into our standard operating procedures. So mm. So um could you also speak uh, about the best moments that you've had, Jake? 
Yeah, I, I think one of the best moments. So so picture this. I was still with the pharmaceutical company. I was riding around with my boss who, you know, I, probably at the time I was 25 years, 30 years younger than her. Great lady. But you know, at the same time was probably feeling much like a parent having to, you know, corral this, you know, high energy, you know, sales rep who had good numbers, but, you know, wasn't toting the company line. Right. Just to be mm. fair. So there's friction on both sides. So we're in the car. It's usually uncomfortable. You know, I finally got to the point where, you know, the real estate was paying me a lot more uh, than than the pharmaceutical company was. Yeah, I was. I was doing, you know, double duty with both. And I pulled into a Taco Bell. I ordered a chicken quesadilla. We sat down. And I had my unsweet tea and I, and I just looked her in the eyes and said, I just can't do this anymore. So, you know, being having that ability and then to then consistently grow the company year over year since that point. Uh, that's extremely rewarding. And the most important thing, you know, for myself is that control over my life, control over my destiny, control mm. over, you know, that being that provider for my family and real estate has afforded uh, me that luxury. That is, that is chief number one, most important to me. And, you know, being able to kind of sever that point and say, I'm going for it. I'm burning the ships. I'm done with you. Uh, mm. that was one of the most liberating moments in my life. And, and I'll, for, you know, forever be grateful to the uh, chicken quesadilla. So. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I think um, when you finally have the ability to do the things you really want to do, I think it's like uh, it's un an, an unbelievable feeling. So uh, yeah, I, I also have a you know another story about that because I my when I got out of college, I was uh, I had a different sales job at the time, but I was working at Gold's Gym as a personal trainer in the evening, mm -hmm. and I say it to this day, I invented the CrossFit movement, but no one knew it at the time. Okay. And I How had people come coming, well, cause I had people coming to me and they, they would say, look, I want to get toned, but I want to lose weight. I mm -hmm. said, all right, so we're going to have to build some muscle mass, but we're gonna have to burn some calories as well. So I'd have them doing anything from like jump ropes to hitting the machines to, you know, or they may be doing jumping jacks and then we're going to be doing some pull-ups or we're going to be running, there was like a little track around it. We're going to do some sprints and then, you know, we're going to be hitting squats, whatever, whatever the case mm -hmm. may be stairs. So we're, we're keeping the heart rate up while also doing anaerobic uh, movements. And, and it started wearing on me because I would love, I'd love working out. Working out's fantastic. I love it. It's a big part of my life. I would yeah. be going, in, I would be going into the gym and, and there, there's these whiners, you know, they call, call them the mopey mics. They would be sitting there and Jake, I don't want to do this. Why are you pushing me so hard? And it was like, yeah, dude, dude stop bitching. You know, you're here you're paying me to, 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 to get you in shape. And all I'm hearing, your, your soul sucking on me right now. So, so like a lot of people say, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And, and I love multifamily real estate because of what it's done for us. And I think I'm, I'm an expert in the multifamily space because I put in the work. Uh, but you know, there's, there's times that it's hard and it is work at times, but I still, mm -hmm. there's no place I'd rather be. So I think it's about picking the right vehicle and getting really good at it and riding it because it's created the, the lifestyle that I want. Now, if I go out this door here, walk down a spiral staircase, I have a full gym in my house now, so I can oh. go and enjoy the things that I like to do because multifamily, the vehicle has provided me that. Okay. So yeah. gym, working out is my passion, but it doesn't mean that you know, I need to be a personal trainer or I need to lever that to make money. Mm -hmm. I think I think there's a many early entrepreneurs get, you know, fed this that, you know, you, you got to do what you love or, you know, I, I know Gary Vee's awesome. He talks about doing like the Pokemon cards and becoming a Pokemon dealer. And I'm like, bro, it's it's really good. But is that really the vehicle that's going to get you to where you want to mm -hmm. be? Because for me, it's it's hard assets because I don't want paper money. When the paper money comes in, I want to deploy it back out into assets that will keep up with inflation. Mm -hmm. Because the, the thing more so than anything that is shrinking the, shrinking the middle class right now is inflation. It's running up. Things are costing more. But are people really you know, getting more out of the dollars? The dollars are not backed by gold. They're simply printing the dollars. So yeah. if they're printing the dollars out of thin air, I want something that is going to be tradable. Okay, you know, a multifamily asset. We, we talk about the basic human needs, food, clothing and apartments. It's not food, clothing, and shelters anymore. Everyone in the U.S. is renting, so it's food, clothing, and apartments, and we want to own apartment assets that will keep up with inflation and, and pay us year in and year out. Yeah, and I, I, I also agree with that because um, I think that the, the idea of doing what you love, a, a lot of people take it a little bit too far. Like, mm -hmm. I also like to say that I'm doing what I love, like I'm like uh, working at an advertising agency, 
I've created with my brother, but um, I'm also doing a lot of work on the podcast and um, most of the episodes I really enjoy, but some episodes, to be honest, I'm just thinking like, oh man, I have to do it's another It's like this episode. one today, he's like talking with this guy and he's talking about this shit, man, come on. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, I, I love your energy, so uh, <laughs> I'm enjoying this one. <laughs> you know you know what I love? I, huh? I love having a well-oiled machine. I love it when my, my business systems are clicking. I love it when the team is jiving. I love it when we're crushing it and, 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 and making bank. You know, that's mm. To me, I get that that gets me juiced up. I love creating. You know, we're, we're doing, you know, uh, for, for our Christmas party this year, we're doing a uh, a present for every attendee based around our core values. You know, mm-hmm. that's the stuff that that creativity that gives me energy. I, I, that's the stuff that I, you know, I quote unquote love doing, uh, you know, creating and, and building a great environment. And I also think that what you've mentioned is really, really important here to highlight that you need to be in the right vehicle because I see a lot of great and talented young people that are doing like stupid things where the total addressable market size is too small or they are not uh, leveraging their talents at all and playing on their weaknesses and and they're making like dumb mistakes in my opinion. So I think um, having the right vehicle is like really, really important. So uh, yeah. I had an engineer on our podcast the other day mm-hmm. and he was uh, he started out selling T-shirts, you know, like I don't know if he was in college or whatever, but he came to the same realization. I think he started like selling T-shirts. He started some kind of education company. He then went, you know, and, and did a little bit of a stint as an engineer. And then he landed on multifamily and he's like, oh, I finally landed on the right vehicle. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, so many people that may go through that type of progression where they're like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to do this clothing and, you know, or whatever. And shit like clothing is great. If you, if you make a great piece of clothing, people love. I'm not saying not to do that, yeah. but uh, you know, have a good idea and, and, a, and a good business plan and execute on it. Um, versus, you know, just saying, you know, I'm going to do this because, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I love my Gucci or something, right? So. <laughs> are, you, are you talented? Are you a designer? Can you actually fulfill, right? Mm, so Yeah, very powerful. And um, yeah, uh, I forgot what I wanted to say, but I, I totally agree with you on that. And um, I think, ah, no, now I remember. So um, I think at the end of the day, experimenting is so, so important because I'm, um, I think you can say, oh, this vehicle is a great vehicle or I should be doing this. But after a couple of weeks, you're finding out, oh, man, this isn't working for me. I'm hating what I'm doing. It's not getting results and so on and so forth. So I think um, at the start of your journey, it's really important to be experimenting a lot. For instance, I've created like the wrong businesses for sure in the first uh, one or two years. And uh, yeah, tried a lot of different things. And um I think it's also really important to be experimenting a lot until you find the right vehicle. Yeah, I think do your research though too, because you know mm. one of the one of the things that really led to our success is that we stayed in our lane. And mm. I experimented with some things early on as well. I was actually considering doing like a, my own gym franchise and all this, but then I kind of I landed on multifamily. And I said I'm, I'm going to make this work. And so we, it took us a, about two years to get our first deal. So also looking back and saying, you know, what, what have we done really well? We, when we committed to doing multifamily, we stayed in that lane and mm. we didn't, we didn't veer. We didn't go, okay, you know what? We're going to do Bitcoin now. And now we're going to go do fix and flips. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and now we're going to wholesale a couple deals. So I think, I think when clarity in life in many instances mm. is so rewarding and, and just soothing. And so if you can come to a point where you're like, this is the vehicle, this is what I'm mm. going to do and then stick it. Mm. Literally we have not, I, I've, I've blown up my 401k. I blew up my RA. I've cleared the path <laughs> because now it's multifaceted multifamily. Mm. We got, we got this baby right here. The honeybee is a book we just came out with a little while ago. It talks about the different streams of income. We have a mortgage company now that's based around multifamily. We have the property management company. We mm. have the media, we have the events, we have the education company. Uh, we do investing now. So we have a syndication company. We've done three, uh, cause the first thousand units we bought all ourselves. Uh, hmm. You know, my partner, Gene and I, and then we started uh, actually um, we brought in a partner, Dylan, to head up our investment side. So now we had so many people asking us, hey, can I invest with you? Can I get in your deals? Hmm. And so that's where that, you know, there's enough demand there. We said, all right, let's give it a shot. So And and, and I think there's like a fine line of experimenting a lot and having this new shiny object syndrome. That's what, exactly what, right. Yeah. Yes. I think there's like a fine line. So, uh, yeah. So. Um, 
looking back on your career, Jake, um, what have been the biggest lessons on business that you have learned over the years? Yeah, for, for myself, you know, especially in multifamily, this is going to sound like very simplified, but it comes down to income versus expense. And a lot of people will go and they'll look at a income statement and that's based on accounting. And I think one thing that people have to get very hip with is making sure that the cash management is a priority. And so we, we, we spend a lot of time in educating our actual property managers on the actual cash management that's going on and not just the income statement. Because, you know, if you're looking at it from accrual or if you're looking at it from a cash basis, you need to actually have cash management systems in place. Um, so our accounting team actually uh, creates this daily rec for us that shows this is how much cash is on hand at any given time. This is actually what's come out of the bank as of yesterday. And I think that's uh, really drove performance because sometimes on the accounting end, there could be, you know, maybe it didn't get, you know, put in right away or reconciled, you know, uh, right away, or it was, you know, a bill from the prior month. So it's not showing up on the accrual statement for that month, whatever the case may be. So I think it's creating systems that align with what's actually important and not just reporting purposes, because, mm. you know, the reporting purposes are one thing, but hey, are we actually making cash money this month? And is everybody on the same page with that? And so at the end of the day, multifamily, we talk about the buy right, manage right, and finance right. That's the framework. But from there, it comes down to your your income versus your expenses. And and I don't want to hear like, this is the, well, this is CapEx and this is that. No, are you making cash money at the end of the month and are you putting money <laughs> away? And that's you know really something that we, we hammer home versus I think a lot of companies tend to maybe rely on their property management software. And, and sometimes it's, you know, there may be a lag or whatever, but we want our folks very in tune on what's real. Hmm. And what are a few lessons you have learned that you think most people aren't aware of? Lessons that I've learned, I think, you know, going back to what we were saying a minute ago is, you know, taking that long view. And mm -hmm. if you're going to be in an, in an investment type product, say as multifamily, we go back to what we say is we treat it as the business. This is not something that we just put our money in and, and hope it works out. <laughs> this, Gambling, is, this, is yeah. not, this is not the mom and pop type thing. Uh, we want hard assets, number one. Okay. We don't want uh, you know, paper money. Okay. That's, that's, mm. that's very important. We don't want paper money. We want hard assets that it's going to keep up with inflation. And, and this is again, a basic human need. People need a place to live. Okay. Mm. You can't go on Amazon yet and, and get an apartment home, which, Hey, that could be good for us in the future. Maybe they'll take over apartments.com. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. <laughs> so I think it's, it's, it's putting your money in, into hard assets. Uh, it's something I, you know, I love the idea of, you know, if maybe if we ever had like a, we, we actually bid on a spring once, it was a mm. it was a clean natural spring because look people are going to need water for the foreseeable future and it's not going to be a trend so I like these these types of uh, products that are, that are, you know rely with with what we need um, and then take going back to taking the long view um, we could have you know at any given time said this mm. is too hard this is a pie in the sky but we picked the right vehicle we committed to the right vehicle and we saw it through and mm. that probably was the best thing that we've done since we we've, we've been in the business. Yeah. One, nice. one more, one more piece too. I want to, yeah, is strategy. Hmm. I think, I think you have to have a clear strategy and then execute. Um, we're involved in, and many people have probably uh, read the book, uh, I think it's Blue Ocean Strategy. And it, it talks about, you know, really finding an area where you're not going to compete, you're just going to dominate. And you're hmm. not going out there and you're not in the red ocean where you're just price cutting because your neighbor over there is, is doing something and you're just going to cut your price to keep up with them. Hmm. We see the biggest gap in the C and B apartment space is customer service. And that's why we're trying to create that Chick-fil-A type experience where if you pull into a Chick-fil-A at lunchtime right now, there's going to be a line around the corner, people out in the highway trying to get into it. Food's decent, but it's the, really? experience, the experience that they've created to make people want that. So hmm. our 100% our you know, focus right now on strategy is creating the best customer service, you know, uh, type apartment that we can so people the the brand starts to build up if you as you drive around town you see you know our, our company's rand property management you see the rand man you know he's a, that's our logo on on all the signs so it's branded very well similar to what the hotels do so that people come and they have that good experience with us they'll see it and we'll start to we're starting to build brand equity uh mm. at that at that is um stage as well so i think it's if we can create that blue ocean with the customer service 
um, we're going to really separate ourselves. And, you know, in the next downturn, hopefully do even better than our competitors because we're offering the right kind of service uh, in, you know, when the times may not be as fruitful. Yeah, and I think um, focusing on the long view is like really important because I'm also a huge believer in compound interest, and I think most people they want this like quick fix for everything in their lives. They want to lose their weight now. They want to gain muscle now. They want to make money now, and they want something for nothing. And um, I think at the end of the day, you have to put the work in. Like um. I'm I'm also a huge believer. Like for instance, if you want to have a great body, like good luck at working out for four weeks and thinking you look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, then uh, it's, it's completely like um, stupid in my opinion. So I think it's really really important to take the long view when you are building a business, building your career, building your brand, and so on and so forth. I made zero dollars my first year in real estate. I made zero dollars my second year in real estate, and I made eighteen thousand uh, dollars my third year. So <laughs> yeah, there you it, go. <laughs> it, it was not uh, sunshine and rainbows. Let, let mm-hmm. me tell you. You know, it, it, it took a long time uh, to build up to the, the level that we've uh, you know achieved. So, and what do you think is um, the difference between people who succeed and people who eventually quit? You know, I, I think it's it, it maybe just who they are, you know, because there's a lot of people that just don't have that grit. And, and I think we all have, you know, different chemical makeups. And, and I think that some people may just, you know, I think one of the things I'm blessed with is I, I have a very, you know, uh, high, you know, high motor, a lot of energy. Yeah, and, and I'm, and I can I'm, see that. <laughs> no, and I, but I'm persistent, too. And, mm. and if you tell me the answer is no or that, you know, it can't be done, it's going to motivate me and fuel me even more to prove you wrong uh, if I believe I have a, a, you know, a true concept or an idea that I believe in. And so, you know, it was hard in the first few years, but that, you know, that, that commitment and that dedication, it, it sounds cliche, but that was the difference between, you know, people who want to do it or talk about it and say, it's going to be a good idea. Well, are you going to back it up with the work? You know, since, since I was in college, you know, I had three jobs, you know, consistently and, and I worked my ass off. And so even, you know, getting into multifamily, I had, I had the full-time job and then I was, you know, put it in probably 25 hours a week, you know, on the multifamily side as well. So, you know, if, for these days, I, I start my day at six and, you know, last night I finished at eight. That's not every day. A lot of times it might be 630 or so, but it's, uh, it's, you have to show up every day. Uh, I, I think, you know, regardless if you know, you've made it or not, because, you know, it's, there's still always work to be done and, and, you know, there's, there's things that are going to come up and you're going to have to adjust and transform your business because the, the landscape's, you know, constant and ever changing. So, hmm. so, um, Jake, what do you think are a few things on entrepreneurship, business, scaling, hiring, firing, and all those things that are really, really, really important to understand and that most people don't really think about? So a, a little story uh, going back to our fourth deal. Um, Jim Clayton uh, sold Clayton Homes to Warren Buffett for, I think, a little over $3 billion. And he started a bank after that. Uh, I was getting, uh, I was attempting to get uh, one of my deals financed from Jim uh, at that point. And I was selling him on the fact that, you know, whatever it takes, I'll get it done. If, mm-hmm. if, you know, if I need to step in and help out with the maintenance guys or the leasing, whatever it takes, I'm going to make sure that this deal succeeds. And, and I think we we're something like 600 apartments at that point. And he said, I appreciate your passion. I appreciate your energy, but you're looking at this all wrong. And that just hit me in the gut. I was sitting across from in Knoxville at uh, Aubrey's restaurant, and he explained to me the importance of of scale and systems. And from that point on, uh, you know, I've always taken you know the advice, and I've had you know a few additional meetings with uh, Mr. Clayton, uh, and I've just really picked his brain on scale and uh, systems. And some from that day on. I, I've just become a student of systems and scale, and we and we reinvest. You know, we have unpack that for us, please. Yeah, what's that? Unpack that for us, please. Yeah, that's what, what, what you I'm have learned. Yeah, what that's you what have I'm learned. Yeah. So, so what what we started doing at that point, though, is that I started reading um, a ton of books, EOS. Uh, uh, scaling up, uh, Michael Gerber's book, and but we've also we've hired coaches. We've gone through scaling up coaching, and you know, just in, just for our own group, we've probably invested over three hundred thousand dollars in education and coaching o- over the last two years because it, you know it is that important. But 
you know, what, what we've seen and what we've developed that's probably been the biggest game changer within our property management company is, is the cadence that we have. Every group meets every morning to discuss what the weekly objectives are. Then there's a higher uh, level, we call a level 10 meeting that, you know, myself, maybe our, our regional manager and the property manager will have. And that level 10 meeting, you'll have your, and, and there's a document that we have in our Google Docs that shows what the annual goals are, shows what the 90 day goals are. And then it breaks it down into the weekly goals to achieve those higher level goals. And we're extremely disciplined with reviewing that every week and staying on top of these things. So we're moving the needle forward. And at every level of every one of our businesses, this is the same cadence that takes place. Uh, they're efficient. They don't ever run longer than a half hour unless there's something crazy going on. Hmm. And it's it's probably advanced and moved the company forward uh, more than anything. Um, you know, a part of you know some of the the coaching and, and the the you know um, training that we've had, they've got us very clear. There's, they've offered a lot of clarity on here's what your core mission is, here what your core values are, and and it's it's you know kind of silly, but at the time when I was in corporate, I poo pooed that stuff. And now it's like we hire and fire based on these. Like if you don't have a growth mindset, you know, then, you know, that's probably not going to be a good fit. If, if you say, you know, that's not my job, you know, it's probably not going to work out really well in our <laughs> culture. So we, we really screen for that on the front end uh, during the interview process. And, mm. and we've we, you know, we, we try to, uh, you know, a lot of people say success leaves clues. So, you know, we'll look to what other, you know, companies are doing and, you know, a, a, pickup that we just got recently was top grading. Are you familiar with, you know, top grading? Uh, it's a, it's a no. way of hiring. Yeah. So check it. There's a top grading book out there. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a form of hiring that, you know, as we've gone through, you know, our, our scaling up, we're also, um, implementing, you know, the, the top grading, uh, hiring procedures and, and, you know, so, mm. uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it gets busy. We got, a I think we're creeping on, you know, 60, some employees here in, in a short period of time. So, there's a uh, there's a there's a few layers to it right now, but nothing crazy. Uh, but you know we expect to, you know, double that you know over the years to come as we we add more apartment complexes on. So, yeah, and um, I think also having systems is play, uh, in place is so important for saving time in general because um, if you're doing things like over and over again, you probably should have a procedure or a system for that in place. And I think um, a lot of people are wasting time on things they shouldn't waste time on, and they should have systems for that in place. So, uh, yeah. But you also need the congruency because you can go in. We expect every one of our apartment complexes to answer the phone the same way, stand up, greet the person, offer them a root beer or water when they come in. So you need to have those uh, that, that constant uh, experience from property to property so mm. you can really start to create that brand equity. So there's, there's so many layers and so many levels to it yeah. that, that why you should be doing it. But it's it's something, again, that when I was in corporate, I poo-pooed and this is a waste of time. But no, this is it's, it's everything. So, and that's why yeah. we, we really say like you, every day we come in, it's people, systems and culture because that's what's going to drive and propel the business. Mm. So, um, Jake, what are the things that fascinate you the most besides all those business things, real estate and all those different topics that we've talked about today? Um, I, I think just, you know. I love personal development and, hmm. you know, again, you know, from whether it's, you know, trying to improve, you know, my family unit as a whole. And we hmm. had uh, Rick Sapio speak, you know, we had a, uh, an event with about, you know, 500 uh, folks at it in Orlando a few weeks ago. And he, he was one of the presenters and he was just talking about, you know, he has this uh, family placemat that has his family core values on it and and what their family believes in and they have a cadence for their family he goes out to eat you know every monday night with his wife at the same time that predictability and you know he he talked about simplifying uh, his life and, and things like that so i think personally i get up you know every day i'm working on myself before i even work on anything with the business so you know that, that yeah really how, how does your day look like yeah yeah. So, and the funny thing is, everybody on the team picks on me, but every Sunday I spend about an hour on this piece of cardstock, and and I lay it down with my goals, you know, things that I'm going to achieve in the morning, and then literally it's follow the yellow brick road. I know where I'm going every minute after that for the day. Mm. It's time blocked, and you know, it's got my fitness goals on it. It's got personal goals listed there, and in the morning I'm I'm typically uh, meditating, uh, you know, working out, listening to Audible. I hate reading, but I love I love you know, taking in the, the education. 
uh, stretching. Uh, I started, you know, like having my back get messed up, you know, a few years ago, and I found that if I stretch on the regular, what happened? I was playing baseball. I was uh, oh. I was on a wood bat baseball league and, and and you know I was going for a fly ball and I just got twisted up. Not really sure what happened, um, but uh, you know from that point on, I it turned out well. No, I do know what happened. I'm sorry. My, my hip flexors were really tight. You know, probably oh. from you know, years of like doing squats and and working out, like they they started getting really tight. So I need to. Uh, you know, I, there's like a self realization that I need to stretch on the regular if I'm going to continue working mm. out and, and feel at my best. So, um, just, just always working on, you know, improving, you know, my, my personal life, how I'm feeling and, you know, uh, advancing myself personally and, and trying to do the same thing with my family. Cool. So, uh, I think so, so many people are now in, in, in the self-development space due to all those c- podcasts, YouTube videos, and all the content that's out there. So um, maybe you could speak about those things that you think our listeners should understand, like on self-grow, uh, self-development, growth mindset, and all those different things. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I'm going back to Ray Dalio's book, but I think the open-mindedness piece, you know, to that book was uh, just, it was well-received um, for me personally. Uh, I think that, you know, so many people uh, have a closed mindset and you and you try to expand their mind, but they end up just simply digging their heels in. And so that could be the way you presented it. Or, you know, there are people that are actually very rigid and mm. they're, that are unwilling to grow their mind or see things from a different perspective. So I've, you know, I challenge myself regularly when someone says something that disagrees with you know, what I'm thinking to understand it better and and see it for what it is versus just trying to be a bulldozer and say, no, we're doing it like this. Because in in my position Mm. with the company, I do have the ability to do that. But I, you know, at the same time, I don't think it's a good idea. So I try to understand more uh, versus just, you know, saying, hey, let's get to the point and and this is what we're doing. And, and, you know, like, like not hearing, you know, folks out. And I think it's so important because most people just try, they're just seeking like validation for their existing beliefs and opinions instead of like um, trying to change those and trying to find the truth. And I think most people aren't really interested in finding the truth in in, in nearly everything. And um, I think it's really, really important, especially to uh, like if somebody is disagreeing with you on something you should probably look into that and it doesn't mean that if somebody is disagreeing with you on certain things that everything they are saying is right like obviously it isn't but um yeah i think it's, i've been wrong more in the last few years admittedly than i have in the past because i've you know i've allowed my mind to expand and admit that so i think mm. i've grown as a person like that meaning that i was wrong before but I wasn't I wasn't at a self-awareness point to realize that. And and I have a little tip uh, for the for the mid-level managers out there. If you're if you're a mid-level okay. manager, you're, you're having a team of like eight people. You're, you're definitely going to have a couple people on the team that come to you all the time and just wear you out with questions. They mm. know what to do. But they're and, and so what they're doing, they're like they're just, hey, I, I have a question about this calling you five times a day. And as that mid-level manager, that's going to get stressful <laughs> and old. Many of you, I'm sure, have dealt with this. Best way to handle that that we found is to stop and ask them, well, how would you handle this? And if you do that enough time, That's a great it, starts, <laughs> it starts to sink in and then they start thinking more independently and they realize that they're going to come with you with that question. And then you say, OK, Hardy, how would you handle this? Mm. And then you listen and, it's and they give you a- that. Right. Yeah. And then and then and then, you know, what's even sweeter about it. <laughs> They're owning their outcomes. So if they mm-hmm. if they say this is how I want to do it and you don't necessarily agree with them, let them go. Let them see how it works out. And then they're owning it and trying to make it better or improve it because it's not your idea that they can reject and poo-poo. That's what they came up with. So that's a, uh, a little tip for the folks that out there that may be getting a little bit of that soul suck. Cool. So, uh, Jake, um, at the end, I always ask every guest of mine five questions. But um, before I ask those five questions, could you please give our listeners your best advice on business, real estate, entrepreneurship, uh, self-development, and all those different things that we've talked about today? Your best advice. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think it's rocket science. You know, I think it's for me, it's it was showing up every day, you know, regardless if, you know, we, we made a ton of money the month before or, you know, we had a, a mediocre month. I think it's showing up every day, committing and, and taking a long view. Uh, the other thing that's that's worked really well for us is that when we've wanted to expand, 
we've we've gone internal and we've gone vertically integrated and we've created multiple streams of revenue within our lane. So and remember, I went back to and talked about the honeybee. The honeybee is all about that. You're getting in. We started with multifamily and we said, OK, where can we expand to better serve? Because what happens is our prices now drop because we're controlling more of the action. So we went in. We're not paying a property management firm to manage our properties. We're managing them internally. Uh, we went in and said we wanted to grow more. So how can we do this? We created the investor arm of it. So now we're bringing investors and we can grow and buy larger properties and then give past those savings on the investors because we're vertically integrated and we're managing those deals. When it came to it, we started uh, you know, taking the rehabs in-house and we started a CapEx team that does the rehabs in addition to it. So I think the key is if you want to get into more businesses, find ways um, if you're in a restaurant, maybe you you go out and you start a YouTube channel that can supplement or you write a cookbook, you know, that, that goes out there that talks about it. So you're staying within your space and you're expanding upon that learning that's already taken place and you're becoming more of an expert within the space that you are. So I think that's one way for people to to grow their business is to look look vertically within to find those additional streams without having to go into a whole new sector. Hmm. So um, could you please tell everybody where can they connect with you on the social webs, uh, work with you and so on and so forth? Yeah, so our, our main site is jakeandgino.com. It's just, just spelled out jakeandgino.com. Uh, you can go and, uh, you know, we have uh, the new book out there on Amazon, so you can get the honeybee out there on Amazon. You can get with me. My handle, Instagram, Facebook is at Jake Stenziano, uh, S-T-E-N-Z-I-A-N-O uh, for, for the last name there. Um but uh, and then also Rand partner or excuse me Rand R A N D C R E. So if you you're interested in our other businesses, our debt solutions, or investing alongside us in a deal, you can hit up uh, RandCRE.com. Got it. So um, the first out of the five question is Jake. Um, what are the three books that had the greatest influence on your life? Uh, definitely Atlas Shrugged. Um, mm. I, I think it really helped. You know, just from a perspective of thinking and, you know, being objective, I think that was probably the book. I think I've read that book like three times. Uh, three I about, times. Yeah. I, I, I've read like 500 pages and I couldn't yeah. finish it to be honest, but I think it was quite good. So, well, man, you don't know until you get to the end, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think I have to. So, so, Quite a few people mentioned it. All right. And that's another thing that, that I do is that I, if I find something that has a lot of value, um, it, we talked about taking a long view before, I'll go, you know, I've gone through Principles, Ray Dalio's book probably three times. I've gone through Atlas Shrugged three times. Um, there's more nuggets there in value than me, you know, book hopping from book to book to book. So it's that repetition and really absorbing, um, the, the author's knowledge and kind of staying in that lane, um, uh, versus I'm just going to read, you know, 50 books because that's what the average CEO does. I'd rather read one really good book, you know, a few times than, you know, a couple mediocre books, because I think I that's having that. a greater impact on, on, you know, my mind. So that's, that's that. And, and Steve Jobs autobiography, I thought was just phenomenal. Uh, Walter Isaacson. So. No, no short ones in there for anybody. Sorry. I didn't give you who moved my cheese, but uh, you know, <laughs> you gotta have to put the work in. So uh, the second question is, um, what are the three movies that you have enjoyed the most? Yeah, so this this isn't uh, anything really to do with business. Uh, I love the Lord of the Rings series. Um, watch mm -hmm. that all the time. Me that too. counts. That counts as one, though, man. That counts yeah, as one. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, for for comedies, you know, I love like the uh, the early '90s stuff, like the old school and and Wedding Crashers. I love that stuff. And then um, for an inspirational movie, uh, Miracle on Ice, The Legs Feed the Wolf. I love okay. that one. So. Got it. So uh, the third question is. Um, what is the most useful product or service that you have bought in recent memory? Man, I'm coming at you head on with this one, all right? Are you ready? Yeah. We're on Skype right now. We abandoned Skype a long time ago for Zoom. Uh, <laughs> Zoom for video conferencing just seems so much more stable and with, without the hiccups. So we've uh, we've really adopted Zoom for our Jake and Gino podcasts that we uh, we release four of them a week. So we really got to make sure we're, we're, we're hitting it. So uh, Zoom has been great for us. I'm a big, uh, big fan. <laughs> I got it. So uh, the first question is, um, what are the most important uh, realizations you've had in the last couple of years? And some guests shared something deeply personal about their career, family life, relationships, travel, yeah. time. So speak yeah. to anything you feel comfortable sharing with us today. 
Yeah, so you know, I'll, I'll you know, kind of take it down a notch here. Um, I was a very bad student in high school, like really bad, and I had to the point where I had advisors telling me that I shouldn't go to college. And many years later, uh, I took an IQ test and scored very high. And I think the the challenge here is that school was a complete waste of time for me. Um, I don't, and it's it's the way that I learn. And, and, I, and I'm not blaming the school system here. It's just I will never be someone that will succeed sitting in a classroom for eight hours. I, I like I literally will feel like you know I'm trapped in a cage, and it just is not good for me. Uh, so unfortunately, I, it wasn't a good fit for me, and, and you know my biological makeup just did not jive with that. So you know I grew up thinking that I was stupid, and, and I had advisors telling me that I shouldn't go to school, and it's and it's just. I'm not going to sit there and read a book. We talked about that. I will go through a ton of books on Audible. I'll take the content and I will actually apply it. Uh, I think the challenge is, though, the school system has to treat to the masses. And that's that's the objective. So I'm not I'm not pointing the finger. It was just uh, it was very challenging growing up thinking that you're you're basically a dumb shit. And then when you were able to be put out in the marketplace and sort of, you know, navigate your own ways, uh, I, you know, I feel like I'm self-educated, uh, you know, and I did not uh, have you know many good takeaways from uh, from going to school. And I think it was more of a detriment. So I think that, you know, unfortunately, sometimes you just got to, you know, take control of it yourself and, and, and make it happen. And, and it wasn't going to be somewhere where I was going to get propped up or, uh, you know, celebrated. And it wasn't because anything other than it was just not the way that I was going to learn. Hmm. So challenging. And it was tough for a kid, too, because literally, like, I, you know, I was getting in trouble and I wasn't doing like like super egregious things. But I was like, you know, what like, kind of things? <laughs> no, just like stupid shit, like throwing a spitball at a teacher or talking back or being too loud or cracking jokes or having a lot of energy. Like because I'm sitting there and it's like, you know, you feel like the Charlie Brown teacher's going and like like, well, it, it, it's even tough for me, you know, when it's my own business and we go to like a full day training and I'm sitting in the room and everyone picks on me. They're like, dude, you're, you're glazing over. And I'm like trying to keep my composure now because I'm in a leadership position. Right. And so it's just, you know, it's, it's challenging. I, I have certain ways that, that I learn very effectively and ways that just shut me down and mm. that, that don't fuel me or give me energy. And, you know, I spent, you know, many time in, in, you know, in the school system and it was, uh, yeah, I really truly believe it was a complete waste of my time and actually took me back. It, it set me very far back, uh, you know, in order. And then I had to work harder to, to get ahead. So, yeah. So, um, the last question for the day is Jake, what would you tell your 20 year old self? You know, fuck school, man. <laughs> <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> okay, so. got it. So, uh, Jake. No, but you got it. You got to take control of yourself, though. So it's not just rejecting, because again, firmly believe in education and learning from others, right? It's just you know you got to find a way that it's going to be conducive and helpful to you. So I think that's key. Uh, Jake. Thank you so, so much for, for joining the podcast today, sharing your story, sharing your advice with us. And um, yeah, thank you so much. Awesome, man. Take care. Take care, buddy. All right. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please rate, review and subscribe. Also, make sure to share the podcast and tell your friends about it. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I'll see you in the next episode. Over and out. <laughs>